Major League Soccer Week 2 is in the books, and where some teams flex their muscles, other teams falter. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. It's, uh, it's supposed to be spring and nice and warm, and we had a great weekend. Uh, but things are getting chilly again. But I'll tell you one thing. At least uh, my house isn't shaking. There is no earthquake here, like, like apparently there was. Monday morning in LA, uh, my Cali people tell me it wasn't much of an earthquake because you know they're all hardcore earthquake survivors, and they, to to them, if it's not like a six or above, like they don't even like you know bat an eyelash apparently. So things are good though. You know, I've never gone through a natural disaster in my life, but like I would love to go through one. You know, I, I and I know some people are like, oh, people die, but you know, it's like in Arizona, we we got no natural disasters, man. We got drought. That's it. You know, we don't get earthquakes, we don't get hurricanes, we don't get tornadoes. We don't get anything. Like I, I want to see something, you know. You know, I've seen some pictures of your hair in the past, and I think you'd have to. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Did you like that Boy Scout picture I put up? Oh, I missed it. I gotta check it out. You gotta check that out, dude. That was me back in the day when I was just slaying left and right, dude. I was an Eagle Scout. You should you should see my you should see my white man's afro. It's uh it's pretty impressive. Uh, Ivis, enough about the hair, because I mean, let's face it, you and I have good hair to begin with. Uh, MLS Week Two is in the books. Lots of intriguing matchups this past weekend. Some teams really took advantage of the opportunities. Other teams, Ivis, really did not take advantage of their opportunities. One team that did was Toronto FC. They defeat Seattle 2-1 to on the road without a question, Ivis. As I said, I accurately predicted it. Jermaine Defoe is the newcomer of the year. And Toronto, Ivis, complete 180 of what they were last year and just a very impressive result for them uh, to go on the road and defeat Seattle in their opening game of the 2014 season. Right, it was a great game and a good matchup between two top teams, talented teams, and everyone wanted to see how this new new look Toronto FC team is going to look like, how they were going to play, if all that talent was going to come together and actually be a cohesive unit. And what we what we saw from their first game is that you know they're they're going to be a tough team to deal with, and I don't know if anyone's going to be surprised by that, but uh, you know obviously I think there were questions about would Ryan Nelson be able to put all the pieces together, get them to play together. One game in, it's looking good. And I tell you what, Jermaine Defoe, if anyone had any doubts, he certainly showed in game one that he's going to be a handful for MLS defenses this year. Oh, I mean, what do you have, two touches and two goals? I mean, the first goal was was brilliant. I mean, just really smart heads-up play by him to find space. The second one was uh, unfortunate Marco Papa. I think Seattle fans would love to have more Rosales back there. Uh, but Jermaine Defoe pounces on it. And Ivis, that's what good players do. Good players pounce on opportunities and they make other teams suffer. And that's what Jermaine Defoe did. I mean, we, as much as we could sing his praises, I mean, I'm sure we'll do it the rest of the year. What really impressed me about this Toronto game was the defensive work rate. And right away, you immediately saw the impact that Michael Bradley is going to bring to this team. Oh, he's, he's outstanding. Uh, and it wasn't just Michael Bradley, but just for anyone who, who was curious about what kind of impact he can have, uh, I think they saw it on that, in that first match uh, of just the amount of ground he can cover, his ability to press and get, make the quick transition from defending to attacking. Uh, you know, not, not all the stats are going to show all the things that he did, all the things he was involved with, but just to give you an example, uh, Jermaine Defoe's second goal, which you know most people will recall, was Marco Papa with a really bad pass. The person putting the pressure on Papa in that situation was Michael Bradley, forced him into that turnover. And it just shows the kind of quality that he brings, and, and it's infectious around the team. Jonathan Osorio partnered really well with Bradley, and, and you know I know a lot of folks in Toronto love Osorio and thought he was outstanding last year. I agree. I thought he had a good rookie year, but he could he could 
flourish playing next to Michael Bradley. And, uh, you know, top to bottom, they just look really solid. And, and I, I'll say this. I know Seattle lost this game, and I know they, you know, they gave up those goals in the first half. But I thought, they re- I thought they responded really well. I thought they showed their quality to fight back and make it a game in the second half. And, and I just like the fact that the, it really brought the best out of both teams and, and the best out of the top players in that game. Uh, because you have Michael Bradley in there with his just intense play. And then you saw Osvaldo Alonso on the other side playing outstanding all over the field. Yep. He, he rose to the challenge of that, as well as Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey, I know. him and Mike, It was just great to see him and Michael Bradley battle over and over. And Michael Bradley was just not like, you know, they, they're, they're friends. They're longtime national team teammates. Then played against each other in eight years, but you can just tell the competitiveness and the and the the way they just kept going at it, kept running and you know clashing, running into each other, challenging each other, and it's great to see. And it's only going to make the, those players better, and it's going to only raise the level of the of the league to have that kind of caliber player in the league. Oh, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, what what also really impressed me about this game was Toronto's ability to really shut down Seattle. Uh, in the middle of the field, and, and I mean that, and that's Seattle's bread and butter. We saw that last year, you know, being able to attack up the middle with Clint Dempsey, away from Martins, Lamar Nagel. You know, Toronto did a good job of really pushing uh, Seattle to the wings, and, and I think a part of that, Ivis, had to do with the pairing of, of Stephen Caldwell. And I mean, it's funny to say this because he's not young, but Daniel Henry. I mean, the guy's twenty years old, Ivis, but the guy is, is, you know, he's, he's in, he's been, you know, he has his fifty appearances already under his belt. But but I think it was really uh, important for Toronto to have a really strong back line and that was the biggest question we had with this team Ivis was there's no doubt that Jermaine Defoe is going to score there's no doubt that Dwayne Dozaro is going to be a great player Michael Bradley is going to be a great player but how is their back line going to respond this year how are they going to be this year and I, and I know it's just one game though but I think you have to be optimistic that the pairing between those two guys and, and Justin Morrow back there is going to be really beneficial to Toronto's success this year well absolutely that was the question mark coming in to the season uh, if you looked at all the talent that they brought in the big question I mean, there were some questions, but one of the questions was how would their center back, center back tandem uh, shape up? Would Daniil Henry be a liability? Would he be a flaw? Would he be an Achilles heel? Or would he blossom into this top quality defender that, that Canadian fans and Toronto FC fans have thought that he could be? And, you know, one game in, really good game from him. I thought Caldwell played really well. I, I mean, the captain, he, he was just steady in there. And, and, and I think the two of them together, they look good for that first game. And uh, it bodes well if those two can play that well, play on that level, you know, going forward through the season. Uh, it's just tough to find many weaknesses on that team. Uh, before we move on, though, Seattle, Ivis, I mean, very tough for them to, to open up against Sporting Kansas City and, and, and Toronto. I mean, is there anything that you see that they need to improve on, or is it just a they, they're facing two of the strongest teams in the league back to back weeks? Just kind of a little unfair scheduling on, on their part. Well, you know, obviously the schedule makers uh, didn't do Seattle any favors. Although to be fair. Uh, when, I, I believe when the schedule came out, Toronto hadn't yet loaded up their squad. So if you were Seattle when the schedule first came out, you probably thought, okay, we got a tough game against the champions, and then we got TFC, three points in the bag. There you go. In past years, that would have been the case. Obviously, things are different. But you know what? I think it's a good test for the Seattle team. It's good for them to kind of see where they are, see get them in that high-intensity uh, competition against the tough teams to see where they are, see how the new players are going to fit in, and I think it's only going to help them going forward. I thought the second half of that game, Seattle responded really well. I thought they played well. Clint Dempsey really stepped it up. You know, obviously he scored the great goal, but you know he was really involved. And, and uh, you know, I think that Seattle team 
uh, to get these early tests, I think it's a good thing. It's, it's going to be a good thing. The schedule is going to balance out. Uh, but I tell you what, I still, even though they lost, I still think they've shown a lot in these first two weeks. Uh, you know, if you're a Seattle fan and also U.S. Men's National Team fan, I mean, you had to be happy with with Clint Dempsey. Uh, you know, last week he, he had a hand in a goal. This week he does score a goal, but it kind of got a little marred, Ivis, uh, by a little cheeky thing that Clint Dempsey did. I mean, do you think he's going to get suspended for for the little uh, little shot that he did in the game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those who missed it. Uh, Mark Bloom was behind Dempsey and, and kind of put his arm in his uh, put his hand in his back and maybe gave him a little nudge or something, and then Dempsey proceeds to kind of flail his right arm back and catch Bloom right in the family jewels. And uh, uh, at the time, it looked you know it, it looked like it was pretty like uh, uh, intentional, pretty blatant. Uh, the funniest part about the scene, because I watched it a few times, was uh, Stephen Caldwell's reaction to it, because he's standing right there, he's watching it, and he just had the biggest smile on his face, like, you dirty dog, you did not just smack him in the nuts. And it was, it was great. Uh, it was hilarious. It was great. It was hilarious. Um, but uh, Clint Dempsey's defense after the match was that he felt a hand on his back, he was trying to smack the hand away. Obviously, his aim wasn't good, but uh, is he going to get suspended? That's a tough one, you know. I, I, it's hard to prove intent, uh, and MLS has been known to take it easy for, with superstar players. So, at the most, I'd say he'd probably get a one-game suspension. If that, I if he, but that said, if he doesn't get suspended, I don't think it's that big a deal. I know some people are going to say, "Oh, that's crazy." Preferential treatment: star players can do what they want, blah blah blah. But I don't know. I don't know if it, it, it's tough to say. You can't prove that he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, although knowing Dempsey and knowing how feisty he can be. It wouldn't shock me if he knew exactly what he was doing. Well, yeah, and, and there's a lot of other things that that don't get the attention that a guy that Clint Dempsey does. I mean, I, I think anytime there's a set piece, there's there's a little there's a little grabbing, you know, some pushing in there. So uh, we'll see. That, that we, the word hasn't come out at the time of this show, so that that's that, that's why Ivis and I don't know. Uh, staying in the Cascadia region, Ivis, uh, Portland Timbers do it yet again. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a good thing that they do it again, but they come from behind. Uh, Gaston Fernandez scores a goal for them. Portland able to, to to earn a draw at home against Chicago Fire, who did not look that impressive last week against Chivas USA. And, and for Portland, Ivis, uh, I, I don't think it's you know want to raise any cause for concern, but but the slow start that they've had in back to back games, you know, it's kind of a little interesting. But but I think it goes to show the what the Caleb Porter effect. I mean, because in both games, you know, Portland has come out in the second half a much improved team. Uh, but for Portland, though, man, they, 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 you know, as much as they like the draws, wins are a whole lot better, though. Right. I mean, Portland, it, it, it's, I wouldn't say it's panic mode time in Portland. Uh, even though they've gotten two draws, you have to look at the matches and say, look, they dominated possession. They had control of those matches for really good stretches. The issue there is in the final third. Uh, they had Their sharpness there isn't quite where it needs to be. And what's interesting is that, in game one against Philly, they started off really well. They had a great start to their game, good quality, but they didn't get the goal early on. In the second game this Sunday against Chicago, it was the opposite. They actually started really flat. Uh, Chicago really took it to them. Credit to the fire, credit to Frank Gallo. Uh, you know, he put his squad out there. He didn't. He does, still doesn't have. Uh, still hasn't used Mike McGee for whatever's going on there. Uh, shorthanded team, but but he put a young team out there, and their energy really gave Portland problems. Quincy Amar- Amariqua. Uh, Benji Hoya, Harrison Ship, those young legs were running all over the field and causing problems for the Timbers. And once Portland settled down, they took control of that game. Um, and obviously the PK, uh, it, it's it's an interesting play because, look, Amariqua beats Paparato yep. uh, to the end line, but then he, like, completely puts the brakes on, 
You see, some might even argue that he backed into Paparato, initiated the contact, draws the PK. Uh, there were some, there, there were some debates on on Twitter about about whether that's a great play or not a great play. For me, I'm not a fan of, of plays where where someone instead of just going for a goal, going to set up a goal to score a goal, they look for a contact, they look for a foul, they look for a dive. Yep. Not to say it was a dive, but it, it just I don't know. I didn't think it was. I thought it was. I thought he did a great job. That's how you earn a PK. That's how. That's how you earn it, man. That, yeah, I thought smart play by him. Back to back weeks, impressive uh, performances is it, by is him. It, okay. Is it a smart play? Sure. Is it a sporting play? I, I have debates about that. I have questions about that. It is what it is, though. Look, Amarika played great, great game for him and the Fire. They they got off to that great start, but Portland once they got it together in the second half, mm-hmm. they really took control of that game. Yep. But they still couldn't find. Uh, the net often enough, I mean, for the possession. They got the equalizer. Fernandez got his second equalizer in two weeks. But as well as they're playing, they need to be putting more balls in the net. I thought, I thought Diego Larry started slowly. Uh, Fernandez, I thought, was outstanding. I thought he really showed his quality in this game uh, beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, i got to say this, right? Darwin Signagny, great player, one of the best players in the league. It is pretty frustrating to me that anytime he gets the ball and he's on one of these great dashes up the field, these surging runs up the field, you watch him and you say to yourself, okay, who's going to foul him from behind? Because someone's going to foul him from behind, and they're probably not going to get red carded for it. It's unbelievable. It happens every time. And it's, and it's just it's sad, really. I mean, that a player of his quality gets chopped down repeatedly over and over and over, uh, and he just doesn't get protected. And, and, and some, the refs have to do something about that, you know, because I think as long as players know – they're not going to get red carded. They might not even get a card at all. They're going to keep coming with these challenges from behind, and players like Nagby are going to continue to face potential injuries and, and not be able to show the quality that they have. And I think it robs the league of some quality when you're not protecting the top players. Mm-hmm. And I think Nagby is kind of the poster child for that. It's unfortunate. But getting back to what we were talking about, Portland, slow start to their season. Mm-hmm. But remember, they didn't get off to the fastest start last year. They tied New York in their first game. They lost to Montreal early on. But eventually, they get things together. Yeah. I think they'll be fine. So I, I don't think Timbers fans have anything to worry about just yet. No, I, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, I mean, also, the other, the other thing that stood out to me in this game was, was the second half defending by the Chicago Fire. I mean, I thought Sean Johnson had, had a pretty good game up until the 70th minute when, when, that, when he ran out and raved it off. Uh, I can't, I'm blanking on who he waved off, but Portland almost scored. Uh, Patrick Gianni, I mean, dude, you gotta, you got to have better body positioning than that. I mean, the, the one thing that really stood out for me was the goal that Port- Portland scored because I, I counted. Uh, eight Chicago players back in the final third defending, and and then when Portland went to the touchline, you had you had you had six Chicago players bunched in a single group in four unmarked Portland Timbers members in the box. And this is the thing we talked about, Ivis, which is Chicago Fire defending. To me, that I mean, everyone should pause that. Please pause it when the cross comes in. You'll see four unmarked Portland players is there, and the Chicago players horrible body position. Chicago, I mean, if you, if you want to close out a game, you gotta have, if they if better defending there, they probably would escape to the victory. Over the Portland Timbers, uh, but but you know, hey, Gaston Fernandez is a goal poacher, man. He's back to back weeks, Ivis. I mean, dude, he is exciting to watch, and he knows, he just knows how to put himself in the right position. Some players have it, some players don't, and he definitely has that. Well, getting back to the Chicago defense, I thought they had a great game. I'm not going to take away from their their performance because of that one play. Obviously, you know, you don't want to have a breakdown uh, in that in that spot when you're leading, and 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 if anything, you know, I I really feel like they maybe bunkered too early. Uh, you know, you're just inviting. You can't. It's tough to invite pressure from a team like Portland and keep and keep 
you know, a clean sheet. And, and, and he, I feel like the best way to go at them is the way they started that match, which is a lot of energy, a lot of pressing, matching their intensity. And I think they did that. Um, but, you know, once they kind of went in park the bus mode and just let Portland have the ball, uh, I feel like they were always going to give up that equalizer. But I tell you what, considering how bad they looked in the second half against Chivas USA, I thought the fire defense was pretty outstanding, especially Baki Sumari, who responded really well from what was an awful, awful game, awful second half uh, against uh, Chivas USA. So if you're a Chicago fan, there's, there are positives to take away from this game. Um, but the big question if you're a Chicago fan, where is Michael Bradley? Uh, Michael Bradley, I'm sorry. Where is Mike McGee? You know, he signed this new deal. He's your star player, your big goal scorer. Where is he? There are reports circulating that apparently him and Frank Yallop have, have, have had a dust up or have had an argument, disagreement, and Yallop is just sitting him now. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't had that confirmed from my sources, but if that is true, it's obviously unfortunate. Uh, you hate to see that, especially early in the year, especially when a, a new coach is just starting out to have conflict with his top player. I mean, this isn't, you know, the Premier League or La Liga where, you know, if you have a, a problem with your top player, you can just bench him and have other options that, you know, are, are, are similar in caliber. Mm-hmm. You don't use Mike McGee. It's a big drop-off. I, I, and, and I know, look, I know I'm a equal, you know, he, he, he drew a PK, showed a lot of energy, but it, it, Quincy Amarico is not Mike McGee. All right? So I don't know what's going on there. Frank Gallup needs to sort that out, him and Mike McGee. If there is conflict, if there is an issue, they need to sort it out quickly because uh, if you're if you're Chicago, you can't afford to get into too deep a hole in this competitive Eastern Conference. That's true. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm be a little harsh on the defense, but I mean things like that, man. To, to, Chicago would have walked away with the victory, and that, that would really. I maybe I mean you know me. I'm ticky tacky on defense sometimes, but but little things like that go a long way. Uh, Ivis, before we keep continue. Our uh, breakdown of MLS Week Two. We're going to take a quick break right here and her and hear a word from our sponsor. Do you know me? I'm the guy next door. Wife, child, mortgage. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just like you. I'm John Doe. John Doe's killing career criminals. Hero or villain. The punishment no longer fits the crime. Justice or vengeance. You decide. I'm not John Doe. You are. John Doe. Rated R. Starts Friday, March 21st. Well, I, was, I mean, you mentioned the Mike McGee situation going on with the Chicago Fire. New England have a little bit of a situation on their hand. Jose Gonzalez did not play in their game this past week in an 0-1 loss to the Philadelphia Union. Union have yet to lose at home at PPL Park in their home debut. Uh, Sebastian Latou with the goal. But for New England, Ivis, you know, this is a team that we, we talked about. Their strength is going to be their midfield. Once again, it was absent. And not having Jose Gonzalez, you know, defender of the year in your back line, that's kind of an interesting situation and one to monitor right now going on uh, for the New England Revolution. Right. Uh, it's a big win for Philly, uh, building off of their, their impressive performance in the season opener against Portland. Uh, if you're a Philly fan, you have to be really happy with the way your midfield's looking, the way the newcomers are looking. Uh, you, when you talk about Marie Sidhu, uh, my uh, Christian Maidana, and Vincent Nogueira, all three of them once again impressed. They they all three you know had really good games. Uh, but then you look at their defense, their defense uh, and Zach McMath. I mean, putting up a shutout. Uh, I was really impressed with Ray Gaddis at right back. I think he's coming along really well. He's a natural right back, and I think for the, for those who maybe didn't realize that or lost. Sight of that back last year when he played most, he played pretty much at left back most of the year. 
he is a right back. He's in. He's playing in place of Shannon, injured starter Shannon Williams, and Gaddis is looking really good there. So you know, if you're if you're uh, Philly, you've got to feel really good about the way the team is coming along. Yep. Uh, as far as New England, uh, it's it's not a great start to the season uh, for a team that they were so the high. There were such high hopes for. Uh, you know, Kellen Rose injured, so they didn't have him. But the bigger question mark is Jose Gonzalez, and and I. You know, I kind of put the news out there on Twitter over the weekend, and, uh, you know, I wrote it up uh, for, on Monday for Gold.com. My sources tell me that he and that Gonsalves and Jay Heaps uh, pretty much, you know, the, an ultimatum was issued by Jay Heaps telling Gonsalves he needs to either stop sulking and stop, uh, you know, being upset about his contract situation, and he needs to start taking things seriously, start playing, start, you know, you know getting his mind into the season – or he needs to just sit, or he needs to not play. And it sounds like Gasalvis basically said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to play then." So, you know, this took place. This wasn't a game day situation. This was during the week. Uh, from what my sources tell me, it was during the week. So, you know, going back to during the week, Jay Heaps had already planned uh, to not have Gonzalez. And, and and you have to, people have to understand how important Gonzalez is to that defense uh, because you know defender, you know defender of the year last year. Just such an imposing figure. I mean, he's supposed to be the team captain. So when you don't have him in there, I mean, that's a big, big loss. And, and, and while I will say that I like Andrew Farrell as a center back, I like him as a prospect. He actually had, six, I believe it was uh, 16 clearances uh, in that Philly game, which was the most in the league in week two. Like, I think Farrell could be an outstanding center back. But I think you just you, you, you miss Gonzalez. He, he's a big loss. Uh, that situation needs to be uh, cleared up by New England. Uh, for those who, who are kind of new to this whole Gonsalves contract situation, it sounds as if he he believes that promises were made about his contract situation when he first signed with the team. And he had this big year, obviously, defender of the year, helped the team get into the playoffs, uh, you know, look really good in the playoffs. And now I think he expected a new contract or he expected to get taken care of I don't know exactly what he was promised or what he thinks he was promised or what he thinks he's owed, but it's clear that he, he is not focused. He's not focused on the season because this contract situation is on his mind. He talked about it in the preseason. Then he had the first week uh, you know, meltdown where he just really uh, had a shocker against Houston. So right there you can tell. I mean, here's a guy who was consistently outstanding, consistently dominant for almost all of 2013, and then here we go week one, and he has, he has a shocker. And it's not hard to put the pieces together and say, here's a guy who's distracted. Here's a guy who's letting the contract issue cloud either cloud his judgment or affect his play. So if you're Jay Heaps, I can't I can't be upset about a coach who sees that and has to put the team before the player because you can't afford to have a guy on the field who's not focused, who's a liability, who's already shown after one week that you know his game isn't there, like his mind is not into the game. So I know some people will say. You know, Jay Heaps should shouldn't have issued that ultimatum. Uh, and again, that's what my sources have told me. It's not like anyone in New England is going to confirm that. Uh, as far you know, New England had, to, from what I understand, talking to the people that were in Philly, New England didn't offer any explanation for why Gonzalez was not there. Obviously, he's not injured, but how do you have a defender of the year just not be with the team? So I think that was a little odd. I mean, if you're, I mean, I don't know. This is another one of the issues that I have with MLS is that. There needs to be some transparency. You can't teams you can't just be allowed to have a key player absent and missing and not have an explanation for why that is. I mean, 
it, it's just that's just I think that's bad form. Uh, I mean, just as one example, look, gambling takes place in professional sports. There's gambling taking place with MLS games. So if you, unless you want to have situations where they're shady types who have, who can get their hands on information that the public doesn't have, uh, that can create problems. And that there's a reason that NFL has such transparency when it comes to things like injuries. And other leagues have rules in place in other sports for this very thing. So if you're, you know, for me, I think New England, someone at the league needs to tell New England, you have to make public whatever is going on. You have to let it be known. You can't just keep it in-house and pretend and hope no one notices that you want your best players is MIA. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, that, that bears watching. Hopefully they've sorted out. Because, look, Gonzalez is a great player. New England is better with him. But, again, if you're New England and you're Jay Heaps, you just can't afford to have a player on the field mm-hmm. who's not in the game. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, I mean, and, and, and I, I like your assessment of interferral. I mean, I love him at right back, but, you know, spot duty, center back. I mean, he, I don't know if he could play that for the whole season. I mean, he missed time that run, and, and that led to the to the one goal of the game. But, for you know, uh, going back – I'm sorry, go ahead. Hey, to be fair, Andrew Farrell looked like he was fouled on that play. I mean, I know he, he – he, he, so I'm not going to kill Andrew Farrell on, on the play that led to the goal because it looked like Fernandez stuck a leg out and tripped him. Uh, I thought Farrell played well, but, you know, I, I'd love to see a Gonzalez-Farrell center back then, to be honest with you. Get Kevin Austin yeah. right back. But again, they need Gonzalez on mm-hmm. the field. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's the point I'm saying is is they it's it's yeah they they, they need Gonzalez back. But but going back to to p- good things, Ivis Philadelphia Union though, I I mean I think it goes to show just the, the complete dynamic of the 180 turnaround. I mean last year before a game, if, if you were going to tell you know Union fan that hey Shannon Williams and Brian Carroll are going to be out of the game, you know I think Union fans would have been like oh man doom and gloom, we're probably not going to win this one. But you know you're getting excellent performances uh, from Leo Fernandez who who looked excellent again this weekend and Vincent. Garrow was everywhere, and once again, Maurice Adu shows everyone what type of player he's going to be. I mean, he, I have his positive performances by Maurice Adu like this. I mean, he could possibly get that call up to the U.S. Mexico game. Oh, I don't think there's a question about that. I mean, I think that's going to happen, and I do find it funny the, the number of people who are kind of surprised by the fact he's, he's playing well. The guy can play, folks. I mean, we said we had this discussion after week one. That you know, and even when he signed, I mean, I'm pretty sure I said it. Like people, people have just written him off. Because of because of the time in Stoke City when when he wasn't getting playing time, the guy can play, can play at a high level. He played in the 2010 World Cup. I mean, that wasn't an accident. He made an impact in matches he came into in the 2010 World Cup. I mean, have people forgotten this? The guy can play, and what's important is he's really settled in well with this team. I mean, you can just tell. You can follow him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram. He's having fun. And think about the 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 the, the misery that he must have gone through being at Stoke City not getting playing time, not even dressing for matches. I mean, that had to be uh, beyond frustrating. So here he is now. He's in Philly. He's with a good group of, of young guys there uh, who have fun, and they all get along, and, 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 and now they're playing good soccer, and they're playing well. That makes it even more fun. So A, Maurice Adu, you can tell, is enjoying his soccer, and, and Philly is benefiting from that because we're seeing, we're seeing Maurice Adu play at the high level that those who know him well have come to expect. Ivis, let's uh, let's now welcome in Philadelphia Union center back Amobi Akugo. How you doing today, man? 
Good. How you guys doing? Thank you guys for having me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Union, you guys are off to uh, a great start. You guys go on the road last week against Portland, almost come out with a victory. You win this past weekend. Uh, I mean, total different revamp Philadelphia Union team. I mean, it definitely seems like you guys are, are having a lot of fun out there and, and really enjoying playing with each other with all the new additions with this uh, with the, you guys added in the offseason this past year. Yeah, it's it's been a big change from last year. You know, you know we got key guys in um, Marisa Du, Vincent Nogueira, Christian Madonna, and I feel like that's really uh, revamped our midfield and has given uh, Brian Carroll a lot of help. And, uh, you know, we always were a hard team to play against, but now I feel like we can actually play a little bit more. And so far we're getting off to a good start, but, you know, we still have a long way to go. And um, everyone's still close, so we don't want to get big-headed after two games. You know, we still have a lot, a lot, a lot to move forward on. Now, you... Amobi, you, you knew coming into the season, you knew in the offseason that the team had made a lot of uh, changes and brought in some new guys. And obviously you don't know how it's all going to sh- fit until the guys get there and get on the field together. Uh, but just early signs seem like the, the additions all look really good, especially obviously Moe do, you know, he's a quality player. People know what he can do. But Maidana and Noguera, they, they, they've brought a, a level of skill that you guys have been lacking for some time in the midfield. Could, what do what you thought about what they've been able to bring to the team? Yeah, um, both Vincent and Christian are excellent players. Uh, Christian, he's so good in tight spaces. It's almost amazing to watch, like, during the game. I'm in, in awe, like, he'll be in a tight space, somehow get a meg and get out of pressure and make the switch to the field. And then Vincent especially, you know, he's kind of like the engine to our team, you know, being able to pop up in different spots, whether it's on the left or the right, midfield, control the tempo. He gets lots of touches on the ball and really dictate, dictates the pace of the game. Now, when uh, once all once it seemed like the team had made all the moves it was going to make, there were questions about the center back position and who you'd be partnered with. And then, out of the blue, your front office goes and gets Austin Berry. What'd you think of the, What'd you think of the news when you heard that? And, and what's it been like partnering with a guy, you know, former Rookie of the Year? Yeah, uh, Austin Berry is a great player. It happened so late in the uh, off season. I was uh, really surprised that we were able to pull it off. But Austin, you know. Out of all the players, out of his his class, he's probably one of the most consistent and has has the most experience. I've known him I've known him from uh, prior games and through mutual teammates and stuff like that. And I feel like um, once he came in, we we gelled very quickly. We only had one game in preseason under our, under our belts, and so far these two games we've done well. So we're just trying to build from that, you know, and develop a strong center back partnership. You know, this is the uh, your fifth year uh, with the Philadelphia Union now, and I mean, you guys definitely seem like a team that that's ready to break through and, and poised to make a run uh, in in the postseason. And for you, you know, what kind of what has stood out for you that that has been kind of the biggest difference? I mean, has it been the quality? You know, has it been you know John Hackworth being able to bring in the players that he wants? You know, what's kind of the biggest difference that stood out for you going into this year? Yeah, you know, uh, last year um, the playoffs was our main goal. Unfortunately, we didn't attain that. And I feel like, you know, Coach Hackworth, he's finally got all the pieces that he wanted in order to stabilize the ship. You know, the first year, year and a half was just, you know, stabilizing the ship, making sure our team is headed towards the right direction. And I feel like this year, with all the pieces, all the signings that we made, that this is like the big year where we have to, you know, just play our game and and have the results and you know, just give the fans what they want. You know, the fans have been with us through thick and thin, and with all the signings and stuff that we made, we just we just need to, you know, put it on the field and stop talking. 
Uh, one, one of the guys, one of the newcomers, uh, Maurice Adu, obviously he's a guy everyone, you know, U.S. fans, American fans know about. I'm sure you, you've known about for years having watched him play. But, you know, he, he seemed to come right in. And, and not only has he been a great addition on the field, but it seems like he, he's fit in really well with the group off the field. Uh, it seems like you guys have become fast friends and, and really hit it off. What, what has he brought to the team, not just on the field, but off the field? Yeah, you know, on the field, he's 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 raised the level. You know, he's raised the level for from the bottom, from the 18th guy to the first guy on the team, and you know, just his experiences overseas with the national team, Champions League, has you know has inspired everyone on our team to you know raise our level. Off the field, uh, you know, it's 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 always jokes because um, he's a he's a lighthearted guy, he's a charismatic guy, and he knows how to keep the group you know lighthearted but serious when we need to be serious. And uh, we've welcomed him with open arms. Uh, I feel like I've been his personal chauffeur his first couple of weeks here, you know, try to get it acclimated, but he's been a good friend for the, the short amount of time that I've known for me personally. There's always been talk about the uh, how young you guys are. and It's always like, oh, this is a young group. They're still learning. They're still learning. Does it feel like this, like going into this year, that uh, you've guys, you guys have shaken that off or you're ready to shake that label off and, and, and it's not about a young group anymore? but it's about a group that, that's ready to, to get it done and get in the playoffs and make a run? Yes, exactly. I feel like, you know, uh, we're tired of hearing that, oh, they're inexperienced, they're just young, give them time. Um, I feel like we, we've played enough games, seen enough things throughout the league that, you know, this is our year, we're ready, we have to show it. You know, I've played over 80-something games, Jack's played over 80-something games, Ray, Shannon's played 100, Danny Cruz played 100, Zach, as a young goalie's, played over 60, 70 games, and I feel like our young core is finally ready to, you know, step up to the task and show what we're about. Right. One, one of the guys you mentioned, Zach McMath, he, uh, he definitely gets his uh, he gets a, a good share of, of stick from fans, uh, maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves, and obviously when you guys drafted Andre Blake, number one, there were questions about, is he going to be the guy? Uh, is the team confident in him? What, what, how do you think he's grown? And I mean, do you feel he gets the credit he deserves, or, or do you see a guy who's really kind of coming to his own? Yeah, I've known Zach since the very, very first U14 national team camp, and there's a reason why he's gone all the way through to where he is now. He's been one of the best keepers of his age group all the way through, the, one of the most consistent. Uh, last year he was uh, 12 shutouts. I think he has the, the record for most shutouts as his youngest player, and, you know, he's a great player. Andre Blake's a great player as well. Some of the saves he makes in practice are unbelievable. And that competition in practice is just going to push both of them. And uh, for me personally, I feel like Zach doesn't get enough credit, but, you know, that's what Zach wants. He wants to be uh, motivated. He uses all the uh, all the negativity to his favor and, you know, just motivating him. I know him personally, he's shooting for 15 shutouts this year, and uh, I feel like he can get it. Now, last year, just one last one for me, last year you – you turned a lot of heads with your play at center back. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought you were one of the better young center backs in the league. Uh, obviously, the U.S. national team is always looking for some center backs. Uh, have you gotten a call, or is there is, is that in, in your mind the, the possibility of, of, of getting a call from, from the U.S. national team? And also, you're eligible, I believe, to play for Nigeria. They're going to be in Philly in June. Is that a possibility? Where do you kind of stand on that? Being one of these guys who has kind of multiple options there. Yeah, you know, uh, coming through the U- U.S. Youth National Team ranks all the way from U14, the Olympic team, that's always been a goal of mine, so, you know, to make it to that next step. But uh, I haven't had any contact with the U.S. soccer staff or anything like that. So I'm just trying to, you know, continue to play well with the club team and 
bide my time. And uh, yes, uh, Nigeria comes to Philly in uh, June. My uncle's already talking to me about that, <laughs> trying to tell me to set something up and stuff like that. I think I'm going to go to the game just because uh, Mikel Obi is one of my favorite players. So that'll be fun. But, you know, in terms of Nigeria and that being a possibility, uh, that's uh, that's really a family decision. I haven't had, I haven't been called up by them, but you never know what could happen in the future. Right, right. Now you 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 just uh, you just had a birthday last week. How old are you now? Excuse me, sorry. You just had your birthday last week. How how old are you now? Oh yes, I'm 23. I just turned 23, so I don't even think I'm considered young anymore. I was going to ask you that. Do you feel old? I mean, you've been in. The, it's just five years now in the league. I mean, you're, you're like a vet, grizzled vet. I mean, do you feel old at this point? Yeah, I think uh, I don't feel old. I just feel like feel matured and experienced. You know, some of the guys on the team joke around, joke around like I'm one of the older older guys. But I think it's just it's just jokes. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's pretty good. Well, Moby, uh, thanks for jumping on the show with us today, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, and good luck with the rest of the season. No, thank you so much for having me. Uh, talk to you guys soon. And I was staying in the Eastern Conference, uh, moving to a, uh, a team closer in your backyard. New York Red Bulls played the Colorado Rapids to a 1-1 draw. Terry Henry was everywhere, but the Pablo Mastroeni era has begun with a draw on the road. What do you think about that? I thought it was a great performance for Colorado uh, and, and a good, really good start to his coaching career for Pablo Mastroeni. And, uh, you know, the Red Bulls, they, they're not off to a great start. They're not looking good. Um, they they started off well in, in that game. They they, they really uh, came out flying, and uh, you know it looked like early on that you know the Rapids were going to be in trouble. But they they weathered that storm, and then they played they played the Red Bulls even. And you could argue they had the better chances in this match. Um, but uh, to talk about first, let's talk about Colorado. Master any the question marks coming into the season were is he going to be able to to build on Oscar Perihas work? Is he going to be able to keep them improving, keep them on an upward upward arc? Because, you know, as we know, this is supposed to kind of be their year. You know, I, I said this the, before last season, that I thought 2014 would be Colorado's year. I thought with the young guys they have, as they, as, as they learn in 2013 and mature in 2013, 2014 is the year to really turn it on. But the coach is a question mark. Is Mastroeni ready to be the head coach? This is his first coaching job. The guy was a player... He only retired uh, as a player, what, three or four months ago? So that was the big question mark. But I can tell you, after having had a chance to talk to him and talk to some of the players on the Rapids, talk to, I talked to Dylan Powers, I talked to Drew Moore, and, and you just get a real sense that there's a belief in Mastroeni, a belief in him as a coach uh, within that locker room. And, and so any questions about whether they have doubts about him, they believe in him and they believe in his, in his idea. And talking to uh, Mastroeni about just being a coach, I mean, he, he's, I mean, look, he's a sharp guy. That, that's not a surprise to anybody, but it's, he, he, it, you get the sense that he really wants this, and it, it's really something that he's cut out for and built for. Uh, I had a chance to, actually, I wrote a piece on, uh, over the weekend on Goal.com about him making his debut, and you can see the comments from him and some of the players about, about him making that transition. So I'll tell you what, if Mastroeni is, uh, it turns out to be kind of another one of these, revelations as a coach who doesn't have much experience but just is a natural at the job Colorado there's there's no telling how far they can go because they are loaded with talent I mean they, they're missing guys as it is I mean they I know they tied the Red Bulls they're, they're missing their starting goalkeeper Clint Irwin Chris Klute was injured during the game and then they have an incredible amount of depth on that team where Mastroeni has to juggle around lineups I think they're going to be really dangerous if 
if, as they all say, Mastroeni is the guy, if Mastroeni really, and I, I, I'm, I'm, he kind of sold me. He sold me. I got to tell you, just talking to him, listening to him talk about the about coaching and about what it means to him, about how he approaches it, and talking to Jumar and Dylan Powers and listening to them and hear how much they believe the guy, believe in the guy. I, I tell you what, I think it's going to be a good year for Colorado. Ooh, I, I well, first off, I mean, Pablo's from Arizona, so you know he's going to be a good coach just based off that right there alone. Yeah, they, you know it's funny. I, I can't believe that's the first time you mentioned that. That's that's shocking. I know. I, I'm I'm trying to curb the uh, the Arizona BS talk on this show. Uh, but yeah, I mean for Colorado, there, there's no doubt. It's it's it's. I don't know, man. It's, New York's an interesting question. I was. I'm still not convinced that they're going to make the playoffs this year. And and not that I want to say one result's one result, but at home, Colorado, their opening game of the season. I mean, you, you got to put this team away. You you have to win this game. I mean, yeah, you get some impressive performances from some people, but. I mean, I just think New York's just gonna gonna struggle to 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 win all year. I mean, I think they'll win maybe two one one zero games, but I don't think they're gonna be able to cruise as much as they did last year. Well, you know, we said this going into the year. There are question marks about this team. I think they're still trying to figure some things out. If you look at at the at the the lineup they had and some of the players who were key players last year, who who you know did you know they haven't been starting. Uh, Eric Alexander, Johnny Steele, you know, Lloyd Sam's been really good for them. He's off to a good start. He's kind of one of the few bright spots for them. Um, but, uh, you know, look, let's not write them off just yet, just because of these two results. I still think they have some quality there. There are question marks, though. There's definitely question marks about the fullback positions. There's question marks about the, the you know, the, the creative aspects in the midfield. Are they going to be able to create uh, chances? It, you know, who's going to be Terry Henry's strike partner? Can they afford to have Tim Cahill be the strike partner, or do they need him in midfield? There's a lot of question marks for a team that won the Supporters' Shield just a year ago, and I think, again, it goes back to the fact that they just, I don't think they did enough this offseason to address things. And look, Bobby Comby started. He really didn't do anything. Uh, he hasn't shown much. Eckersley, for me, I, I'm still not uh, seeing him being being this upgrade for them. So there's question marks there. So that. Uh, you know, we said it before the year, I, you know, having seeing them duplicate the success of 2013, it's tough to see. Uh, but we're going to see just how far they fall in the next few weeks, I think. Uh, heading back over to the West Coast, I was Real Salt Lake, San Jose. I think you and I both said that this game was going to be a uh, a yawn fest, zero zero scoreless or a one zero. Of course, uh, we were wrong. Uh, six goals were scored in this game. San Jose does it again. Goonies never say die. Uh, but for Real Salt Lake, I mean, you have to be really disappointed in, in this result. I mean, a lot of those goals were, were easily preventable. Uh, you, you, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this one uh Alvaro Sabarillo Ivis is not having a good year for them uh he, I don't know what's going on with him but for Real Salt Lake uh I mean you can't concede two goals late against San Jose you know they're gonna do that you know they're gonna put numbers in the box but for San Jose uh, I mean once again Ivis they, they come from behind and score an insane late stoppage time goal so it's it same old same old with San Jose man what were the what what were, what were our predictions for this match result wise? I think I had it a draw, but I think I had it zero zero. I don't remember. I think you and I jokingly were like, "Oh, it's going to be a scoreless draw." But if it's not a scoreless draw, it'll be like four four or something like that. I, th- I think we I, saved face by joking that the score. But I mean, come on, can, can well, we count that? Uh, I got to listen to the show to be honest with you. Um, but I, I did seem to recall thinking it would be a tie. I thought I didn't think it would be a six goal. Uh, uh, affair, uh, I gotta admit that. Uh, but look, you know, I, there's there's positives and negatives for both teams in this. I think uh, if you're Real Salt Lake, the positive is how how well you played uh, despite you know some of the players that you're missing. When you talk about Javier Morales and Chris Schuler, Robbie Finley, the the quality that they show 
from their depth. Someone like Luis Gill, who I thought was, you know, played really well for them. You know, I think that's a positive. The negative is obviously if you're up three one, you got to put it away. You got to find that fourth goal. You got to put the dagger in. And they looked flat in the second half. And I think San Jose just had more energy and really took it to them. And look, we know San Jose can do this. Uh, getting to San Jose now, and, and as far as the positives go. We saw them step it up a gear and really go after Real Salt Lake and RSL. Rather than kind of stand up to that, they kind of backed off and they and they and they kind of let San Jose into this game. And 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 the positive for San Jose is is them being able to kind of kick it up a notch, which they've done obviously for you know the better part of two plus seasons now. Show that ability to fight back from from behind. That's great, and you love to see it if you're a fan, seeing the heart and determination. But the negative for me is, why can you not do this from the beginning of the match? Why can you not take control of games? Why do you have to fall behind to get to that other level? Because you know what? At the end of the day, you're not going to get enough results to make the playoffs. If you're constantly having to fight back, if you're constantly you know, falling behind early and playing poorly to start matches, it's just unacceptable. You just you have They need to step it up. It's 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 all well and good for the drama to fight back over and over and over, but at a certain point you need to play well, beginning to end. And there's obviously a lot of questions about San Jose. A lot of critics who look at their style of play and think it's not pretty, it's not attractive, and it's not ideal. And, and no one outside of San Jose is going to be a fan of that, the way they play. And there is merit to that. Uh, I will say that. But you know what, Mark Watson, I'm sure he'll take the draw against a tough team like RSL. But at, at a certain point. You've got to start playing well from the beginning of the match. You're, that's the thing, man. San Jose, just there's, there, no matter what, I was, they're going to be in every single game. I mean, they, they, the way they play is, is they'll, they'll be able to outlast. You know, you were right. I mean, Shea Salinas was on point that game. I mean, I don't think there was any, any stopping him. I mean, every ball he played into the box uh, was perfect. It, the one thing I, I kind of did find funny in this game, I, I, I always find sideline coach interviews just to be so bizarre during the game. And Real Salt Lake did score while they were doing one. And I got to give Watson credit for, like, just being quiet and not saying any bad words or anything like that. You could just tell the look on his face was like, get this mic off my face. So I, I thought that was kind of entertaining. Uh, his face, I don't know if anyone made a face, a, a gif of it, but his face is priceless on that. And, and it's always like, you know, what do you do now? And he, I give him credit for continuing to talk after the yeah. goal. It was just a very awkward moment there. And that's why I always feel like those sidelines in game, like, don't do it. I don't think it's not, I don't think you need it. Well, even even during the halftime, I, I you know, when, 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 when they do it before halftime, I think that's so dumb too. I would have time. Halftime adjustment, that's fine because you get the coach as they're coming off, as they're coming back on to talk about, you know, what we, you know, adjustments what they need to do. I mean, I, th- I feel like that happens in all sports. You get the halftime interviews. I think that's normal. The in-game stuff, I think, is always a little awkward. Yeah, it is a little awkward. And uh, before we move on and talk about the rest of the weekend's action, we're going to take a little break and hear a word from our sponsor. Do you know me? I'm the guy next door. Wife, child, mortgage. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just like you. I'm John Doe. John Doe's killing career criminals. Hero or villain. The punishment no longer fits the crime. Justice or vengeance. You decide. I'm not John Doe. You are. 
John Doe. Rated R. Starts Friday, March 21st. And I guess, uh, we've already done five games. Quickly, three more games left. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, FC Dallas. Play to a 1-1 draw. Uh, defenders in this game. I just score the goals for both sides. And uh, if you're FC Dallas, I mean, you have to be really happy with the, with the victory last week and, and a good showing against Kansas City this past weekend. Right. I mean, I think it was uh, you know solid result for them, especially getting the, the, the late goal. It was a bit of a dive. I mean, it looked like a dive to me that uh, David Tishada, however you say it, uh, their new forward, uh, you know, Went in on a challenge. Yuri Rosell went in on a challenge. Didn't look like much contact at all. And uh, for, uh, Teixeira went down, got the call, and then Michelle hit the perfect free kick. And Matt Hedges, who had a great, great game for them, uh, beat Matt Beasler uh, and hit it at home for the big equalizer. So, look, Montre- uh, FC Dallas off to a really solid start. Four points for two games. Uh, yeah, uh, and then getting a big point in Kansas City. Not an easy place to play, so you know, hats off to Oscar Perry Hot in the start that they're off to. And if you're Kansas City, uh, you know, one point from two matches, you're not going to be too happy about that. But again, they're dealing with the CONCACAF Champions League, that big quarterfinal series with Cruz Azul, so that's the focus for them. So you know, they were going to probably drop a few points here, and they've done that. I don't think I don't think panic mode setting in there. I think they're they're fine. They know the quality that they have, and you know, they have other priorities that they're trying to juggle. So, uh, you know, it's a tough spot for them, but I think they'll be fine. Uh, Vancouver, Chivas USA, it's an interesting one. Vancouver had a man advantage for about 78 minutes. Van- I mean, we, you and I both thought that Vancouver was just going to kind of uh, smoke Chivas this past weekend. Uh, Vancouver just looked lethargic. Chivas USA scores the goal, even though they're down a man. And then Vancouver had to rely on Kukuta Mane to come off the bench and provide the immediate spark for them. And for for Vancouver, I mean, just just what a wasted opportunity, uh, wasted opportunity to, to, to defeat Chivas USA. They should man advantage. They should defeat Chivas USA. But is a new look Chivas USA side, Ivis? Yeah, it's a, you have to start kind of taking them seriously. I mean, this was a big challenge. For Chivas USA and Wilma Cabrera, and then for them to get the early red card and go down a man, you just thought the blood was in the water and the Whitecaps were going to completely uh, overrun them and, and put put a big number up on the board. But credit to them, credit to their defense, credit to Mauro Rosales, who I thought was outstanding for them. Uh, he's all over the field. Uh, you know, he's known as a creative player. Obviously, he's a playmaker, but he put in a ton of work all over the field to help kind of offset that loss uh, to the red card. Uh, you know, so even though they gave up the late goal and, uh, you know, cost themselves a win, I, I think, you know, when you think about going down a man that early to, to a dangerous team like Vancouver to get a point, uh, you got to feel pretty good. I think I think Cabrera's got to look at that result and look at the performance that, that the team put in under the circumstances, and you got to feel pretty happy. You know, for it, here's a crazy stat for you. Uh, you know, the top three teams in the league record-wise last year, Sporting Kansas City, Portland Timbers, New York Red Bulls uh, have, I believe, a combined four points, which is the same point total that Chivas USA has. Pretty crazy. I know it's only two weeks in, but it's an interesting interesting little stat there for you. But uh, uh, talking about Vancouver, big-time waste opportunity. With all the firepower they have, they've got to get three points. And if, if I'm Carl Robinson, you've got to be pretty upset. And I'll tell you what, Kakuta Mane, the kid, picked up where he left off last year. Really exciting finish to 2013. Uh, Robinson's got to find a way to get him on the field. The kid is just exciting to watch. 
uh, and then in the final game, Houston Dynamo defeated Montreal Impact uh, one to zero. Ivis uh, Impact, you know, missing a finisher in this game. Uh, Houston, they they show they can grind out a win. So for Houston, I mean, you know, a few people riding them off. I think you and I weren't too totally high on them uh, going into the season, but hey, they're uh, they're two and zero, six points already. Right, uh, and the way their defense has, co- has come together uh, is pretty impressive. The parts that they, you know, they obviously added David Horse, and he's looking good there. Uh, Tally Hall picking up where he left off in 2013. Great game for him. Uh, probably best goalkeeping performance in the league in week two. And uh, you know, Will Bruin. Uh, what can you say? Uh, you know, when you're hot, you're hot, and uh, he, you know, he he's he's getting the the luck of the a bounce at this point. Uh, scored on a deflected goal. Uh, but you know, as they say, you 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 miss 100% of the chances you don't take, and he took the shot, got deflected, put it in. Uh, three goals in two games for him, and as you know, we said it before the season, he could have a big year for them. And if he's going to start scoring, if he's going to score like that, uh, starting the year. How big a year he can have? Yeah, and speaking of Will Bruin, Ivis, we have the Houston Dynamo forward on the phone with us right now. Will, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Ivis and I are doing excellent. Will, you have three goals in two games. The Houston Dynamo are off to a fantastic start. Two victories for you guys. What's been the difference this year? Yeah, like you said, that's six points in two games. That's a perfect start for us. We're proud of that. Um, the main thing I look at is we haven't given up a goal yet, so that's um, a credit to our um, our defense and our goalkeeper. I mean, Cali's made some big saves, but our defense has been in great shape and, uh, and for the most part has been able to limit opposing offenses. Uh, so, so tell me, well, uh, obviously you're off to a great start. You've got three goals. You're officially the golden boot leader two weeks into the season. <laughs> you got three goals in two games. Now I have to ask you, what's different about the start of this year uh, as opposed to last year where obviously you know it was a, it was a bit of rough going for you uh, to start the season, uh, you actually had four goals in your first 20 matches. It was, it was a bit of a rough year for you. What, what's been different about the way you started this season? Yeah, I think um, the most important thing was I actually got some time to get away from the game, kind of uh, recharge, regroup, kind of get that will, that fire to get back out on the field. Um, last year we went, well, two years ago we went to the finals and then straight into a January camp right into the season. And um, last year, it was, it was a different year for me, being involved with the Gold Cup, but not being able to get in any games kind of threw my game rhythm off a little bit because that was the whole month of July. Obviously, it was a great experience training and everything with them, getting in with the group, but um, not playing a game for about a month kind of threw me off a little bit, but that was that was fun. So it was a, it was a rough year, like you said. It was a long year, but um, this offseason was nice just to, to regroup and refocus. Now, now, coming into this year, uh, obviously a lot of teams went through uh, roster shakeups, uh, some big signings, some teams made a lot of moves, obviously like Toronto and Seattle and Philly. The, the Dynamo really didn't make many moves at all. He kind of kind of stood pat. Don Kinnear really stayed with the group that he had. And because of that, it seemed like there weren't a lot of expectations about you guys coming into the year. Um, if anything, team, people kind of saw, saw you guys maybe slipping this year. Obviously, you've gotten off the yeah. Great start. That, did that surprise you that people kind of wrote you guys off coming into the year? And do you think this team is is better than last year's team? We get written off a lot, so it's not something we're we're not used to. So, um, I mean, we we have the main core of our guys. We've been together for a while. I mean, it's we've been through losing the championships. We've been through losing in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So it's 
something that we're growing as a team right now, and it's this year. I think we're ready. We're, we've got guys who have been around. We've been around each other two to three years. We know we know what it takes, and we know what it takes every day at training, what it takes on the weekends. And I think this is a group that. Um, if we could stay healthy, we're, we're going to have a real good shot at it this year. Well, you, t- you talk about the group, and as Ivan said, you know, coming back, you know, you, the first game, you, you know, you, you guys score four goals, and this one you grind it out 1-0. I mean, does, it's early on in the season, but but does, does that kind of show that the cohesion that you guys have, that you can have a game where you can grind out and you have a game that you can win big? That's exactly. You kind of hit it right on the head right there, Dom. After the Montreal game, Dom, he said to us, he's like, hey, you're not going to win every game for nothing. It's going to be all pretty soccer. He's like, I'm really proud of you guys that you could grind a game out, a game that was that had it had rain. They kind of sat in, tried to break, and he's like, you're not going to win pretty every time. You got to grind games out and get ugly wins. And he's like, you found a way to win, one nothing. You took your chance and um, could have could have had maybe two. They could have had some, but our defense felt strong and tally. And um, it's not about. Sometimes it's not about just playing pretty and winning. It's about getting a result, and I think that's something that this team understands, and we know that's that's what it takes in this league. Well, 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 what do you prefer? I mean, do you do you like those big four zero wins, or do you kind of like to grind it out to the very end, you know, and really hold on to that victory? I mean, if, you know, of course, everyone wants to win big, but I mean, what, what do you cherish the most? The most? I like scoring in the first two minutes. That's nice. That makes <laughs> makes the game a little a little more open and free for us. But um, um, the grind grind it out games, they kind of. They bring out that competitiveness and the drive, and they kind of bring the group together when you can, when you can grind those games out. But um, I think we can do either or. Now, Will, uh, to take you back to last year a bit, uh, you had that rough stretch in the middle of the year where, where just you know you had had trouble finding the net. Uh, how tough a period was that? Was that the toughest period of your career? And and how did you kind of fight through that to, to kind of finish the year uh, on a good note? Yeah, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough period, but you just you try not to think about it too much. I mean, um, the way I look at it, I had that deflection goal against Montreal last year that would have got blocked and probably been an own goal or something. But um, but um, you know, it's, it's as a striker, you can be the hero or you can be the goat. It's a year, it's up and down, and um, you play on confidence. And when it's not going well, you can't really think about it too much. You just gotta stay true to, to how you play and how you go about your business and um, my teammates and Dom and the coaching staff—they kept telling me they had confidence in me, and I think that's something that went went a long way. And um, I mean, it, it only made me stronger mentally for this year. So, no, it's a lot of the same pieces. Uh, there were some ch- on the team this year. There's a few changes in the back. Obviously, you have David Horst in there now. Um, what what if the, if Houston does better this year? If you guys are able to improve on last year, what do you think is going to be the key? Be the key to that happening? I think staying healthy. Um, if we have uh, if, if our bunch of our core guys could stay healthy this year, I think we'll we'll be uh, we'll be in good in good shape. But but like you said, with Dave coming in there and flying into center back, I think he offsets Jermaine pretty well because um, Dave's a, both Jake, Jermaine and Dave are both big guys in the air that not many teams forwards are going to win head balls against them. So um, so then I think if they have a good relationship in the center of the park, then we're going to be we're going to be pretty dangerous. Now, now, well, you know how it goes when, when when you score some goals on the club level, people are going to right away start talking about you about the national team. Uh, oh yeah. You were you were with the team a year ago. You were in the January camp. Um, how much do you think about that? And is that something that you still kind of see as a, as maybe as a target? Try to get into that into that mix for for the World Cup. And and what what did you learn? Or what did you take away from that experience last year going uh, going through that January camp? 
Yeah, it's definitely um, something you think about as a player. The ultimate goal is to represent your country, and that's something you always work for. But you can't you can't play the game hoping that you get a chance. You just got to play, and if it happens, it happens. And um, like you said, last year's or it wasn't this past year. Last year's January camp was my first with um, with the senior team, and it was an awesome experience getting to know the guys, getting to know the staff, know how everything works around there. And then that whole month with the Gold Cup, I think, was awesome as well now. I didn't play in any of the um, the actual games, just played in the friendly at the beginning, but you, they got to start somewhere. So I think it was even just training with the guys every day is something that um, – sharpen my game, um, and you're going to always stress to bring yourself to the next level, always never get satisfied with how you are and how you're performing. I think that's something that goes a long way and um, something that's, that's really true. So it was it was an awesome experience, and hopefully there can be more experiences to come. Who, who's impressed you so far uh, coming into this year? I mean, I, I know there were a lot of expectations about Omar Cummings. Uh, last year, obviously, he had to deal with some injuries. Uh, he showed He showed in the playoffs what he can do. Uh, just, that's just one person that kind of comes to mind. Kofi Sarkodi has really come along as a player. Who, who's kind of impressed you with how they're looking early on in the in the season? Yeah, I think I think Kofi. I think this is this is going to be a good breakout year for Kofi. I think he's one of the best backs, best backs, uh, right backs, if not the best right back in the league. And I think um, I think he's ready to emerge and break out. He's kind of you can tell he's kind of taking more of a leadership role and I think he's he's ready to take it to the next level and so he's really impressed me but um also Omar Omar's Omar's got pace going forward he's a great finisher a great striker done at the international level he's um hopefully he stays healthy to bring to bring some more um some more strength going forward in our attack and um so far those two have done done really well and Warren's just recovered Warren Preval is just recovering from injury right now so hopefully he can Get back on the field pretty soon. Okay. Now, now well, just one last one for me. You know, we, we we've seen American players who go over to England. They uh they develop a little bit of an accent, a little British accent. Now you're you're a St. Louis guy. Do I hear like some of a Texas accent developing now? <laughs> I do catch myself saying y'all sometimes, but I try to try to correct it to you all. But um, I I, I can tell it's coming a little bit, but. Every time it, I hear it, I try to correct it. You have to call people in St. Louis just to kind of get a little get, get that back in your system. Is that is that what you do? Yeah, exactly. I call people in St. Louis just to hear how they talk again, so I can get back talking like that. Awesome. Well, Will, uh, thank you so much for jumping on the show. I mean, it's been a pleasure to watch uh, watch you score goals the last two weeks and uh, and keep it up for the rest of the season. Thanks for jumping on. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. And as always, good stuff with Will Bruin. I think he is tied with Tim Howard for a number of appearances on the show with three, Ivis. Am I right? No, is it three? I think he's, I think he's at two. Was he at two? I can't remember. I don't think. Has Tim done three? I, Tim, I think Tim has done three. I can't remember. Two or three. I don't know. It's, it's, we've had Will on before, but, so, but it's always nice to have Will back yeah, on the show. We had a few two-time, uh, two-timers, uh, Tim Howard, Terrence Boyd, uh, Will Bruin. And uh, hopefully a Mobia Kugo if he if he's on. Well, no but, one uh, no one beats me. I'm on the show every day, so that's pretty good for me. <laughs> there you go. We need to <laughs> we need to start making a list of guys that we haven't had on yet who we'll have on again. Uh, that is true. We could do that. Uh, guys, another guy that on uh, Paul Ariola was able to talk to while when I was out in L.A. and uh, I think he's ready to come back on. We yeah. might have to catch up with him now that he's a seasoned veteran 
Uh, obviously, when we talked to him the last time, he was just like two months in his pro career. So, you know, we'll, be, it'll be good to catch up with him and see how he's doing over there. Seasoned veteran. Now my kid's like 19 years old. Uh, <laughs> I think he's still 18, actually. 18, geez. Uh, Ivis, uh, before we close out the show, we got to talk about the Americans abroad. Uh, big weekend for Brad Guzan. Actually, big weekend for, for both American goalkeepers in England. Uh, Brad Guzan and Aston Villa defeat Chelsea one Oh, one nil, excuse me. Uh, and Tim Howard gets uh, gets a victory for Everton. So so nice to see the American goalkeepers uh, doing well for their club sides. It was actually a good weekend in general for the American starters in the Premier League because you had Brad Guzan with a big victory, snapping Chelsea's 14-match Premier League unbeaten streak and uh, helping Aston Villa climb into the top 10 in the Premier League. Tim Howard, obviously, with the big win uh, against Cardiff, and, and they've closed the gap on Tottenham for fifth place. And then you have Jeff Cameron and Stoke City getting the big W uh, as well. So, you know, all those unfortunately, those are the three starters, American starters in the Premier League, and all three of them won. Uh, so from that standpoint, definitely a good weekend in the Premier League for America. Uh, down in uh, Liga MX, Ivis, uh, Tijuana, which is officially the, the American club uh, for, for all American fans, if you want to watch the American guys, uh, this past weekend, uh, four guys started uh, for them, and five Americans played total uh, for Club Tijuana, Ivis. I mean, it's not. It's, I mean, it's anything that's surprising. But you know, all five played. Man, it's, it's nice to see them all on the field at the same time. Well, no, it was surprising. It was not even that it was surprising, but actually, uh, Club Tijuana rested their key players ahead of Tuesday's Concacaf Champions League uh, quarterfinal against the Galaxy. So it was actually an opportunity for some of the younger guys to get starts. Uh, you want to talk about Paul Ariola? Um, Edgar Castillo, who's been in the doghouse a bit, he got back into the lineup. Hercules Gomez is in the lineup. He was in the starting lineup for them, which is, it, it, as much as you like seeing the American start, it, it, it might have been a little disheartening that he started in that game because I think it's fair to say if, he's, if he starts in that game, he's not going to start against the Galaxy in their second leg match in Tijuana. He did come out midway through the second half, so I think I think we should expect to see Gomez get some minutes, but... Uh, you know, the younger guys that, that did get a chance to play in this game, Alejandro Guido, uh, the young former U.S. youth national team player who, who's gotten a few starts now. Uh, oh, well, he, I think that might have been his first start even uh, for Tijuana. Uh, that's a big, big opportunity for him, a talented young player. And then you also have a, a, another player who, who's not quite as known but who will be known soon enough, Fernando Arce Jr., the son of the former U, uh, Mexican national team player, Fernando Arce, who plays for Club Tijuana's, uh, you know, first team, uh, he got he got a chance to play in that game. He came in as a sub, and uh, you know, I, I heard nothing but good things about Arce Jr. Uh, when I was in LA last week, just talking to some people close to Tijuana, had a chance to spend some time with the Americans uh, on the team: uh, Greg Garza, Joe Corona, Paul Ariola, and Hercules Gomez. And uh, Arce, a lot of rave reviews about him. Uh, it was interesting to note that Greg Garza, Joe Corona did not play in this game. They will play in the second leg against the Galaxy. Obviously, Greg Garza with an outstanding game in the first leg against LA. And Joe Corona did well as well. So uh, those two two Americans are going to play key roles in that second leg, uh, quarterfinal second leg against the Galaxy on Tuesday. Uh, and that's going to be a match that uh, any – if you're an American soccer fan, I don't care if you're an MLS fan. I don't care if you only like European soccer. You're going to want to watch that Club Tijuana uh, Galaxy match because – uh, the first leg was so so good and so exciting, and now you get the second leg in Tijuana in that atmosphere. Uh, two pretty closely matched teams. Tijuana is going to be the favorite, obviously. They're they're so much better at home. 
but it's going to be a chance to not only see how an MLS team stacks up against the Mexican team, but also a chance for guys like Garza and Corona to really boost their stock and, and make their case uh, for call-ups from Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, and uh, Josie Altador came off the bench and played 45 minutes. Uh, Brooks, uh, Jermaine Jones, uh, I'm sorry, John Anthony Brooks, John Brooks, excuse me, uh, Jermaine Jones and uh, Bedoya did not play this past weekend. For Altador, uh, I mean, what, what, what is there to say? I mean, he, he needs to get going ASAP. Well, the fact that he got on the field, I think that was a little that, that was encouraging. Uh, that he's not completely in the doghouse and he's not going to see the field anymore. I think there were some concerns about that uh, when he missed the FA Cup match, uh, you know, with an illness, quote unquote, an illness. Uh, and obviously, the Capital One Cup final, he he, he wasn't uh, called on. He didn't dress for that match. So, you know, seeing him get back in action is good. You know, you still want to see him get a goal. You want to see him get going in that front, get a goal, get an assist, help set something up. Uh, so clock's ticking. You know they're down. It's two months now uh, before that May national team pre World Cup camp, and uh, you, you'd like to see him get going. You'd like to see him find the net. Uh, and and I tell you what, Sunderland. You know they're obviously still in a relegation scrap, so I'm sure they would love to see him find the net as well. But I think it is good news that that he did make 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 it onto the field. As far as the other guys you mentioned, John Brooks still in a doghouse at Ertha Berlin. He hasn't gotten on the field uh, for them in, in quite some time. And Jermaine Jones, you know, he made the move to Besiktas for, for a chance to get some regular playing time and uh, hasn't quite worked out for him there. Uh, he hasn't quite become the regular that maybe someone would have hoped he'd become. So you, you have to kind of watch that, see how that affects him come May if he can't become a regular for them. Uh, you know, obviously he made the move to Turkey for that, and you'd like to think that, you know, if he made that move that, that he'd be getting regular playing time. Obviously there was talk about MLS for him. Uh, I, I don't think he was ready to take the pay cut it was going to take for him to come nonetheless. But you know what? If it doesn't work out in Turkey, you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, maybe did he make a mistake not just biting the bullet and coming to MLS and playing for less money, even if it meant a short time here, a chance to, you know, sharpen his game. When you look at some of the other Americans that have come to MLS, Maurice Sadu, Michael Parker's you know, looking really good to start, uh, and Michael Bradley as well. You know, he's, he's going to get a chance to play regularly. So, you, you know, I have to wonder if Jermaine Jones might not have, Made a mistake not coming to MLS. Uh, and the final thing before we close out the show, Ivis, uh, reports are coming out that the U.S. men's national team is going to face Czech Republic in September. Obviously, this is after the World Cup. So, I mean, we should see Julian Green starting this game, Aaron Johansson starting this game, Luis Gill, right, Ivis, the future? Uh, settle down. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know what to make of the game. Uh, it, it's hard to say what what Jurgen's plan is for that. I mean, assuming he's coached, right? I mean, he's a contract uh, for that match. But again, it's not official yet. Uh, it's a, it's actually the Czech, the Czech Republic's uh, you know federation website uh, put it out there. And usually, when a federation website uh, puts something out there, it usually ends up happening. U.S. Soccer is just a little they're a little slower to announce things. They don't announce things until everything is signed, everything is finalized. Uh, the rest of the world doesn't really subscribe to that method, that approach. Um, but as of right now, the the, the, the reported friendly uh, would be Czech versus U.S. in Prague on September 3rd. Uh, interesting, interesting matchup, you know. And, and for those who remember, that was the opening opponent in the 2006 World Cup in Germany. I remember being there. Obviously, it was a pretty bad, bad loss by the U.S. to the Czechs, so uh, they'd be a good, a good opponent. And uh, I'd be curious to see what kind of mix of players Clinton would bring in. Would it be a chance to see the next generation 
uh, because let's face it, they're going to be guys who play in the World Cup, and it's going to be their last World Cup, and and who knows if they retire right after that. Someone like Landon Donovan, uh, Tim Howard. I don't think Tim Howard's ready to retire at the World Cup. I think he's still going to have some time to play after that. But this could be a that could be a chance to see some younger guys. Hey, yeah, like I said, I miss the future, man. The future already already got to start planning for it. Hey, well, maybe we'll see the two two guys we had on uh, episode one twenty three, Will Bruin and Amobi Akugo. Maybe we can see them on. Uh, yeah, maybe that's a good part. Actually, talking about planning for the future, Ivis, uh, you and I we have not announced it yet. We announced it on Twitter, but uh, you and I are already beginning preparations for our uh, U.S. Men's National Team versus Mexico pregame party in uh, in Phoenix. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Do you wanna do you wanna start announcing uh, some details of the of the party? The party will if you're coming if okay if you're coming to Arizona to come check out the game. The party will be the SBI party, SBI show party will be in downtown Phoenix at a place called Crescent Ballroom, which in my opinion is the best place bar whatever you want to call it in Phoenix. It's gonna be at Crescent Ballroom. The game, the day before the games, so will be April first. Crescent Ballroom, SBI party will be there. Ivis and I will be there, and uh, that's all that matters. So everyone, get ready. It's gonna be, it's gonna be an awesome time. If you're coming to Arizona for this game, or even if you live in Arizona and you, you're playing, uh, and you're a fan of, of the show, you're a fan of the national team, uh, you want, you're gonna want to come out and join us. Uh, should be a good time. Uh, you know, I've had a good time in Arizona before. Uh, it'll be a good chance to, to just meet up and, and have a good time. So uh, we'll offer more details as the as the date comes closer. But we we will both be there in Phoenix for the USA Mexico match, and it should be a good one. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be, no man. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. And also for people wondering, the 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 bar is on the light rail stop, so it's convenient. There's other bars in the area. You can take the light rail and go continue drinking. And if you need uh, you need to point out good Mexican food spots for you, I got you. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's coming up, Ivis. It's coming up in, uh, let's see here. Our party will be in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. The, the party. Clock is ticking. Clock is ticking. Well, yeah, it's in two weeks, Ivis. It's coming up pretty quickly. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, I'm going to let you go, and uh, you have a good day, and you and I will be back later this week uh, to discuss more American soccer news. Uh, i tell you what. I think we have to have another show. We're, we're slacking a bit. I think we're supposed to go to three shows a week. Uh, obviously, for people who don't know, Garrett was in Las Vegas. So if you were in Las Vegas... And you saw a ginger-haired guy. It, it might have been. No, okay, I'm kidding. He's not ginger. I was it work. Is. I was working all weekend. I was not having fun. Yeah, I'm sure. serious. I was. I, I watched eight. I watched eight youth games this weekend. I, I was soccered out by Sunday night. I'm pretty sure you made it into a casino. I maybe. <laughs> yes, yes. You have to obligated. You're, it's obligatory. I did not gamble though. See, to me, it's like I, I don't want to. I don't feel like dropping money gambling. You know. I mean, I'd rather just get a beer and. Or two, maybe three, you know, and just kind of wander the strip. I find that more entertaining because people watching, I love people watching. It's just, it's too entertaining sometimes. Well, some people would say that, uh, uh, you know, dating uh, dating is like dropping money and gambling. So it's kind of the same thing. That is true. It is, well, at least you date, at least you always know that the the odds are in your favor that you may score. Uh, (laughs) There you go. uh, All right, enough of of this stuff. Ivis, you have a good rest of the day, man, and and I'll talk to you later, all right? Okay, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments on iTunes. Thank you for the comments on the website. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. This is the SBI Show.